It is January 19, 2022. Lawyer Talk is still here in the new year. I was going to say new millennia, new decade, but none of that applies. Um, but we're still here uh, at the roundtable. It is a Blitz Wednesday. That means we're going to interface with the Blitz uh, at some point here soon. Uh, Norm is, uh, oh, you're like old faithful now, man. You keep showing up. Um, right. Brett, sorry, buddy. Second week in a row, you didn't make it here. So Brett from Circle 270 Media, who was, who was becoming a mainstay on the show and, and is a mainstay on the show, I think now it's time to send a note home to mom and dad and find out what he's actually doing. Yeah, we're, we're going to need to uh, review his salary, his compensation package. Yeah, we're going to have to review the zero and, uh, <laughs> and see if we can get somehow uh, less than zero. I'm not really sure. Uh, but uh, Brett couldn't make it today. Obviously, we're just giving him a little bit of uh, a little jest. Right. But uh, nothing serious. Uh, uh, so we're going to interface here with the Blitz momentarily, and uh, we may have to shorten things a little bit because it turns out I do have a job. Yeah, they're, they're just uh, absurd that I have a job. Wow. Um, but I'm waiting to hear from a court whether I, I actually need to to be at a hearing uh, at 11. But uh, anyway, until then, I thought we'd kick around a couple things. You know, we were off the – we always do this. You know, Norm comes in in the morning, gives me a text, says he's out back or he's here, let him in, and we start chatting. And next thing I know, we've covered topics that should have been recorded uh, and we started to do that, and I thought, well, since we're on a short leash anyway today, let's just let's just turn on the old uh, recording, like uh, like the Dukes. Turn those machines back on. Right, right. Turn them on before the anger dissipates. Yeah, and you know, you were talking. I don't even know how we got on this, but you were talking about uh, uh, how Bush federalized TSA. Yeah, and all the security after nine eleven. Right, and. I think that started with a conversation, a frustration I have, generally speaking, of the court system, which is um, I, unless you have, maybe I'll put it this way, unless one has done what I am doing, that is a private, small law practice, it is very difficult for me to explain the difficulties. So difficult to explain the difficulties. It's hard for me to explain the difficulties that we run into uh, in, in all the different directions we are pulled in just to earn a living. And, you know, the, it's easy for a court to say, we well, shouldn't have taken a case if you can't be here. You know, if you're going to schedule, you should be here. On the other hand, if another case shows up or another case uh, conflicts or one judge says you got to be here, another says this, um, you know, this is my living. You know, like these people are paying me to, to do this. Sure. And, uh, you know, if courts, uh, and I, I understand there's a balance. I mean, courts are not obligated to keep my schedule but if if it's all the same either way and it doesn't matter if we postpone something or reschedule something please let's do it because i have to earn a living and if i say no to a case because i am conflicted schedule wise then i don't get that case i don't get that case uh uh in in the opportunity to bill it i don't get all the referrals that i would get from that case uh and it impacts what i can do and you know i'm a solo flyer I don't have a whole lot. You know, I don't have a team of lawyers. I'm not a big law firm, and I'm certainly not a prosecutor's office that has dozens and dozens of people who are uh, who are there, uh, and they get paid either way. I don't get paid if I people if my phone doesn't ring, and if my phone doesn't ring if I say no to cases. So that somehow that's so weird. So like, what you're saying is um, that you have to actually work in order to have income. Wow, that is so retro, yeah, right. dude, 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 dude. Wow, 
you might be the last guy in Columbus that's working in order to get an income. I never thought of that before. Yeah. It just, wow. I, I, it just seems like checks are rolling in for everybody else. What, but you're still out there in the old retro economy. That's amazing. I, I even had it. We had a judge yesterday tell us, I'm not going to mention names or even places or gender or anything else. So I don't want no identifying information about this particular judge. But we were told, you guys just blew this off and didn't get it done. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. well, you know what? Mm. It may be true that we didn't get something done. And it may be true that we, uh, we should have gotten something done. But blowing it off, hearing that from somebody who's collecting yeah. a government check, blowing yeah. it off. You know, I work and a my, non a non listener to this show. I certainly hope. Yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> frankly, care. Um, but uh, it's like uh, I work my proverbial yeah backside off. Yeah, yeah. I am I, like people ask me like when do you like uh, what's your like, when do I go home or when do I stop? It's like, I, I don't stop. Get, yeah, getting lectured about working hard by, from a judge. And my father was a judge for a while, so uh, he knew what he was speaking of. He said the two laziest things you could do in, in life was, one, be a judge, two, be a college professor. I mean, <laughs> it just, you know, like you could skate. You could just, like, not do anything. Yeah, and just, people just take pick up the slack for you and off yeah, you go. You right. Hit, you know? You know? And, and I don't blame the judges for that. I really don't. I mean, look, you've got the job. It's a great job. Enjoy it. Do it well. Do it Do it to the best of your ability. Oh, and, hey, if you want to work hard, you could also be a judge. Yeah, of oh, course. Oh, no right. question about it. But it, unless I have given some indication that I am lazy, that I don't do my work, or right. I don't show up prepared, or whatever it is, unless I give, unless you have a reason for it, please don't accuse me of blowing something off because I need more time. Lady, I, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Steve Palmer umbrage uh, uh, section of the show today. Right. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, and, and I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's maddening. I don't like being accused of not working hard. And, you know, it, uh, I get that in my business, too. You know, somebody will order something for their, uh, to restore their old uh, Capri and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll send me hate mail 15 minutes later if they don't have a tracking number. And you're yeah. just like, excuse me, but, you know, there is a stack. There is a queue of people who have paid for their orders before yours, and we take them in that order. Yeah. And I don't to, know how else to do it. And if you blew it off and didn't do it, that I can understand. Like, you got a couple sure. weeks go by, you got nothing, maybe a follow-up would be appropriate. But right. it's like, you know, if you're in the queue and it gets done in due course, I mean, that's Right. That's You've fine. waited 35 years to restore this car. And all of a sudden you ordered something, right? Like yeah. you rolled out of bed someday because that thing is sinking into the earth. And the wife has said, you know, hey, Billy, you know, either fix it or, or we got to have it towed off. So right. Billy orders a clutch from Norm and expects it to arrive later that afternoon. Like I'm, you know, Amazon Prime or something. Right. And that's, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> How many people do you have working for you, Norm, to fill those orders, you know? Well, I just, uh, you know, I fire customers all the time. I, I, I don't have any problem with it. If, if somebody's being ridiculous, see, that's a thing. You can't fire your judge. But if you're in retail sales and, and, and a customer is insane, 
you know, you can fire them and it's very yeah. satisfying. Now, and I can see the other side of this too. So the other side on your situation would be like, if it's habitually delayed yeah, and uh, days go by and there's no contact, well, then, sure. you know, there you Fine. go. Fine, cancel the order. We'll give you your money back, whatever. Yeah. It's now, all good. And like, if I were to give a judge indication that I'm just habitually not prepared or right. I'm a bad lawyer or whatever. Correct. But, you know. Yeah. Otherwise. Had COVID for four weeks. Slack. Oh, Hey, nobody has, half, nobody know. has sympathy for that, is what I found out. It's just like, because it seems to be like a built-in excuse now. Yeah. You know, like you can roll out the COVID excuse, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's true. And people, I'm sure, overplay yeah. it. Remember um, remember a few years ago when you could roll out the mental stress excuse? Oh, yeah. It was like, you know, yeah, you know, we really need to... We need, we need to slow down and everybody needs to give each other a break. And like, that was good for a few months. I don't know where it came from, but sounds like the blitzy. No, we just timed out. So we're, we're still, uh, we're still good to go. Well, I have a couple topics if we've explored that. Yeah, let's do it. We sound like a couple of old angry men. Yeah, but please don't take this that we're old angry men. I'm just uh, voicing a little bit of uh... I'd like to have your thoughts, Steve, on, um, this uh, legislation that gets bounced around and it's a little amorphous because they add to it, they subtract, but it's, you know, here we are facing another filibuster, which we discussed last week, what that was and, and why it's a good idea and what, why it exists. But this week, the filibustery item at, in, in, in the U S Senate, at least is uh, voter, quote, reform, unquote, which I love that word reform because it makes it sound like something's broken and we need to fix it. Although my idea of what's broken and Chuck Schumer's idea of what's broken are two different dang things. Yeah. All right. So first the name, the nomenclature or how these, how these bills are getting named is like Orwellian. Yeah, of course. You know, it's like the Ministry of Truth. <laughs> right, right. It was everything but truth. Yeah, yeah and, right. And it's like, so voter reform, and then it was right. like, for the People Act, I think was the predecessor to this voter reform. Well, and they threw John Lewis in there, an old civil rights hero of the left, uh, one of Martin Luther King's lieutenants, if you will, and a generally good guy, I, I have to say. I, I like... Uh, Congressman Lewis and, 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 uh, and, you know, but they throw his name in there. You know, why don't they just call it the Jesus Christ voting reform act? Right. I mean, it's, like I mean, the, it's it, come on. It's like, uh, this is, I'm sure I've used this analogy with you before, Norm, but I call it my old maid analogy. When I was a kid, I used to play old maid with my mom. Yeah. And you know, when you're young, you don't really quite understand like bluffing strategies. <clears throat> and I used to, I used to take, if I had the old maid, I would take the card in my hand, mitt full of cards and I would sort of stick it up higher than the rest. <laughs> like somehow I'm going to get the other side to grab that one. Like here, take this Make one. Make it more convenient. Right. Take this one. Um, and you know, then I guess maybe later on I learned that if I stuck up a card that, um, if I didn't stay, if I stuck up the wrong card or if I, if I uh, bluffed a little bit, like it was just like the seven or I don't even remember what old man. Well, was. it's, yeah. So it, it's crazy. And, and, you know, I guess for me, the bottom line on these bills is the reality is we don't have a national identification device, card, chip, something that matches a human to a document that says this person is a citizen. 
So we have 50 states, and, and the big issue, it's federalism again. The big issue, and it's right, right in the Constitution, the states run their own elections. Yeah, there, and there's a reason for this. And there's, um, a, there's a reason for that, and, and voting standards are, are, are baked into that cake. So you got, I think we're up to four states now that are going for all mail for voting. So Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and Vermont is teetering with a Republican governor in favor of it, of going completely to mail. To mail in. So there's a, I actually been doing some reading on this lately. And, you know, as a general matter, I would encourage everybody to read the, uh, read the proposed legislation, not only at the state level, but this one too, the, the federal level. So when the, when the Democrats would say that all, like say Georgia was a great one last year, Georgia passed a law. Right. And the Democrats jumped up and down, screamed voter suppression. But right. it actually, in many ways, uh, increased access to the polls. Right. Not decreased. It and, did. That's and then true. there was a there was a local law in Georgia that said you cannot um, go up to people in line and uh, give them food and drink. So then that got shifted around through the Orwellian filter where voters not allowed to have drinks in line. Right. You know, and right. which is nonsense. You could, Re- Republicans starving voters. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it's perfectly legal to, to give everybody a bottle of water, but you can't sure. go up and give somebody like individually talk to people. You, and, you can't give them a cocktail. And you can't give them a cocktail and oh. you can't you can't give them stuff in exchange for their vote, hmm. um, which makes sense. Right. Right. Um, they now, used to call that the big machines in the urban areas. You call that walking around money. You know, yeah. where, where unions or uh, somebody like Soros, you know, uh, George Soros uh, would uh, basically, you know, they go through, you know, neighborhoods where voter turnout is historically low and they start handing out cash and they, sure. you know, jump on the little short bus. We'll take it to the polls. Uh, we'll feed you. We'll do this, whatever, you, you know, whatever it takes to get you down there. And everybody everybody should read and research what the other party, I'm not picking one party in particular, but if you fall on one side of this, you should read and research what your party's position was when they lost the election sure, or when they thought they were going to lose the election. And in this case, the Democrats challenged the machines in Georgia. Yeah. I mean, literally the same challenges, the same crazy challenges that they are accusing the Republicans of making they challenged. Well, let's, Steve, if you don't mind, okay. I, I realize I'm kind of pushing this, but that's because you're short on time. So excuse me for being pushy. Um, but I want to get to the thing that I think is most thorny for Republicans, for free marketeers, guys like you and I. I'm not comfortable with a voter. I'm not comfortable with a citizenship ID all the way yet. I'm st- I still have trouble with, you know, the, you know, show me your papers, you know, that kind of mentality. But in even in Ohio, Texas, Florida, the states are kind of tough. Georgia, you mentioned, you could basically vote if you have a driver's license or a social security number. And we give those to immigrants, we give those to non-citizens. Yeah, you, you, you can, you know, you, you have a social security number given to you if you work in the United States and you're and you're documented. Even, you know, you're here on a green card. You, you get a social security number. Sure. So, but you're not a citizen. 
So you come to, you know, Monroe Township, <clears throat> pardon me, out in Licking County, or you, you know, go, go to your local voting place and you present a social security card or a driver's license. That doesn't mean you're a citizen. Sure. Yeah. So, so, so where are we going here? I, you know, as a conservative person, okay, I only want citizens voting. And I'm sure that's how you feel. That's probably how, if you really stripped down, you know, the crazies and got them out of the equation, my guess is three quarters of Americans would feel the same way. Yeah. Um, on, on either side. And I think you can do this with almost all these issues. So, first, um, if you want to debate whether non citizens should vote, let's have the debate. But I think you're right. I think most people would agree that if you have to be a citizen to vote. Secondly, you shouldn't be able to vote twice. There's no reason. It should be against the law to vote twice in the same election. Hello, right. Um, Third, there should not be, uh, we should limit as much as possible the opportunity for voter fraud. Yeah, for people to vote for other people is another issue. Sure, voting by proxy. Well, nursing homes, a classic example. I mean, you know, you might have, you know, 100 people in a nursing home. And you've got, you know, a staffer who's real strong on something going around collecting ballots and vote harvesting, they call it. So, I mean, you know, come on. And this this happens all the time. So think about and, and one of the main premises I think we're really talking about is we want a fair election. I don't think anybody on either side would object to that. Well, maybe. But uh, well, a lot of people, whatever it takes to win, whatever it takes to win. Right. That's the other 25 percent. So everybody, you should agree. And if and I say should because I'm right. I don't mean to suggest that I'm right about everything, but I'm right about this. We want a free and fair election. Well, hell yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you trigger stuff like January 6th. Sure. And if you feel like if somebody feels like they got ripped off, they feel like it's right. not fair. Then and that's on get, both sides. That's on both sides. Uh, yeah. Stacey Abrams, the the person who lost uh, the governorship by fifty thousand votes, is still complaining. She's still complaining. She's a Democrat. We need to make that clear. She's a, she's basically built her career on feeling like Brian Kemp is I think is his name, uh, the gov- current governor of Georgia. You know, somehow she got cheated. Uh, in that election. So she is doing the very same thing that Trump is doing and claiming that there was fraud in the election. You bet. So, okay. So it's on both sides. It's on bo- Everybody makes the same claims when they right. lose. All right. Well, let's pause it there because it looks like the blitz is ready to go and we are interfacing now. Oh yeah. Check this out, guys. I got my lawyer here. Well, hello. I'm trying to fast move All Steve right. Palmer. What's up, Steve? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic, man. Um, I want to ask you a Britney Spears question, but we're going to wait on that for just a second while we bring on Rob. Uh, by the way, we have uh, two quick open lines at 821-9970 if you want to uh, get those and fill those as quickly as possible. Rob has an estate question. Uh, Rob, you're on with Steve Palmer. Yeah, I was wondering, my dad's wife left him almost three years ago. There has been no contact for two years, though they're still married. If something were to happen to my father, is a living will enough to assure his belongings and such go where he wants them, or what's our best course of action? Well, a living will, you got to be careful with your terminology. So the, the real question is, is there, if your dad has a will and he wants to cut out his wife with uh, that he has been estranged from now for two years, is that going to be valid? 
I'm going to punt. I'm not going to give you a definitive answer on this because I'm not anywhere close to an expert in this kind of law. But I will say this, the quickest and or the the most effective way to deal with this problem will be for your dad to file for a divorce and um and and just end it legally speaking and that will pretty much uh that would solve that problem uh to some extent. Uh, the other thing you need to do is you need to call Jay Michael at 614-443-6262. Jay's an estate lawyer. He's a very good one. And uh, he can give you some guidance here. But um, if you, if you want to try to run this gambit without getting a divorce, without getting a definitive cut, uh, then, uh, it, boy, it's going to be difficult. Because I think as a, as a husband or a wife or if you're married to a partner, you have certain uh, marital assets and certain um, uh, property that you're going to be um, that you're going to have to deal with. And, and by statute, if there is no will, the wife is going to get, um, uh, the wife's entitled to half. Uh, and if the will can trump that, I don't know. So I would get some real solid advice and I would get it in place quickly because, uh, you know, nobody, wa- nobody wants or expects our parents to die, but it's happening, you know, sooner or later we all die and, uh, you want to get the plans in place. Now, Spoiler if you- alert. Spoiler alert, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Can you get a legal divorce without being able to contact? Yes, they put it in the newspaper. Yeah, right? you sure can. You sure can. You can go file for divorce. You're going to get noticed by publication. So Randy's right. They put it in the newspaper or some publication of general circulation, which is sort of a hokey term, but that's what they use. Um, and then if uh, a certain amount of time goes by and the other side has not responded to the notice, you can go back into court, uh, have service declared good enough and then proceed without the other person, um, and off you go. So uh, just by hiding, you can't, you can't run from a divorce by, by hiding. So I would have your dad contact a domestic relations lawyer, uh, get divorced, solve the problem, and at the same time, get the whole family's estate docs in order too. Call Jay Michael. Get you fixed right up. Yeah, and also uh, I've heard of people yeah, putting the family estate so that way uh, your kids don't have to pay tax on it, right? Well, you know, it, the estate taxes are pretty high right now, so I don't know what what the amounts are we're talking about. So just inheriting money, there is a taxable, uh, a potentially taxable event, but I, I think it's $3 million now for, uh, it might be even be higher, uh, or maybe $1.5 each. So it's, you know, that's a pretty high threshold. But there also are ways to make probate a lot easier um, by uh, joint tenancies and, uh, you know, joint account. Different, there's different ways to avoid probate on certain assets. I'm, like I said, I'm no pro on it, but uh, I rely on professionals to help me. That's what you should do, too. Beautiful. All right. Thanks so much, man. We have uh, a text question here, which you guys can send in any questions that you have via text at 99700. All right. This is from Nicole. A family member is being accused of a crime in a city park. He was on a run and his running watch GPS evidence shows he was a mile away from the park at the time. If my lawyer submits the GPS data, won't the prosecution see this in the complaint? Um, the complainant will just say the crime was close to the park because there isn't hard set boundaries to the park. Hmm. Well, uh, there's some nuance to this that I think we would need to get figured out. I mean, if if it's possible that that claim could be made, then maybe the GPS is not so definitive. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I would have to evaluate uh, <clears throat> what the evidence is, where the pinpointed uh, location is and where the pinpointed location of the alleged crime is. And then we can see if it fits. So 
I would say this, if you're going to submit that kind of evidence, if I have a case and I'm defending somebody, I'm going to submit that evidence, it may well require expert testimony. If that's the case, you do have to submit a report to the other side, uh, I think at least two weeks or 15 days prior to trial. Uh, otherwise, it, it could be excluded. And so you can't just say, I'm not going to tell the other side what I'm doing because they may be able to prepare for it. You, you have to give them certain discoverable notice. And then the other thing is there is something in Ohio called a notice of an alibi. And I'm not sure this would qualify as an alibi. It may. Um, you have to give some notice of that or you can waive that defense as well. So uh, it sounds like there may be a lawyer involved. I strongly encourage you to talk to that individual and uh, really iron this stuff out because if this is a if this is a serious crime, and I guess what crime isn't, um, and you want to mount a defense, you don't want to screw it up procedurally speaking by trying to outsmart yourself or outsmart the other side and resulting in outsmarting yourself. So uh, I wish you luck. If uh, if he's not represented and, and you need some help, feel free to give us a shout. All right, line two, we go to Dave here. It's Steve Palmer on Wednesday with us. It's Loper and Randy in the morning. Yo, what's up, Dave? How are you? All right, man. Um, I got a question about the CDLs. My uh, supervisor told us at our last safety meeting that if we was in an accident and it wasn't our fault, that if there was a fatality, we would have to give blood to, like, the highway patrol or whoever. And uh, I'm thinking, yeah, that's not going to happen with me. And I didn't know where the law was. An accident that's not your – why would you have to give blood if there's a fatality accident? You mean to check your blood alcohol content? I, I'm not into giving anybody information that's going to convict me on anything, but... All right. Well, here, let me give you some general rules on CDLs. We're talking about commercial driver's licenses, uh, and they do have some they do have some heightened standards, some, some requirements. And here's how this works. If you were asked at the scene, say you got pulled over and there's some question whether you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs or something else, and uh, the police ask you to provide a blood, breath, or urine sample, and you refuse you could be subject to a one-year disqualification of your commercial driver's license just for refusing, even if you win the case. If you're convicted of, uh, of OVI or some related offense, uh, the same would hold true. There's a suspension. So I've had a case just recently where I was able to avoid the license suspension on their normal driver's license. I, I got that terminated, but I couldn't get around the refusal. And because of the refusal, uh, the client lost their CDL for a year. Uh, it, now, you, you can you can decide whether that's a smart move or not smart move to refuse, depending upon what is in your system or what, what it will show. But uh, just understand that there are certain requirements on CDL holders that don't apply to everybody else. So as far as what you're being well, told, I, I would need to know more details about a situation. So if there's a fatality accident and you're asked to give a blood, breath, or urine sample and you say no – uh, that could be a disqualifying event, uh, depending upon uh, how it all unfolds. Now, we might be able to challenge whether they should have asked you that, but uh, uh, if you're asked and you refuse, you may end up with a problem. What if you just told them that you wanted to talk to your attorney first and you're willing to cooperate? I mean, me, I, I don't drink and I don't do drugs. I wouldn't have a problem with it. I just have a problem being told what I have to do. I, I hear you, man. I don't drink either, and I don't do drugs either, and I, I don't like to be uh, – I, I don't like authority necessarily, but uh, the rules are the rules. So you could ask for a lawyer, and they could say, all right, you can have a lawyer, but we're going to call this a refusal, and they can probably get away with doing that. Um, it's called implied consent, 
it, it, we can go into, I can go, I could lecture for a long time on implied consent and all the laws that have emerged over the years. But uh, at the end of the day, if they have a reason to ask you to take a test and you say no, and you're a CDL holder, it could be uh, snake eyes for you. That'd be worth it for me. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, look, man, it's up to you. It's up to you. I have a question coming in via text. All right. This person wants to omit their name, but they live in a popular neighborhood, they said. And this 68. This, I live in a popular neighborhood. That's awesome. I don't want to give any deets. I live in a popular neighborhood. So I'm in my neighborhood and this six to eight year old kid threw urine onto one of the other residents in our neighborhood. I was wondering what the legal implications Yo. would be for doing something like this. Could the boy who did this be arrested? He's six to eight. The police were never called for the incident. Well, I would call it. Look, could the boy be arrested? Uh, in theory, I suppose there's a certain juvenile threshold. And as I, I'm drawing a blank on what it is. Maybe he's too young. I don't know. But uh, obviously, throwing urine is you know that's disturbing. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. premeditated too. It's not like you didn't know he you were going to do it, that. Yeah, right. you, like you peed in a cup or where, whatever you threw it with. It. Yeah, it, like if you're in jail, like adults in jail throw urine on guards. They call that felonious assault. It gets it gets sort of uh, it can get really sort of tricky. But I can imagine like the neighborhood dynamic um, where where Mrs. Jones calls uh, Mrs. Smith and says your kid threw urine on my kid, and Mrs. Smith says not. I can you can just see the the dynamic. But look, if somebody threw urine on my kid, if some other kid threw urine on my kid, I'd call the police. I would say, we got a problem. There's somebody hucking urine at people out there. We need to deal with it. Um, or I would want to know more. I would certainly want to know more. Whether the kid could be arrested, I don't know. Uh, that would be up to the police. <laughs> he definitely needs a talking to. Yeah. So, some <laughs> punishment should occur. That's way over the top. I mean, like, yeah, it there's is. definitely something that's like, Something's going sideways and it's going sideways right now. And you might be able to catch it. Hopefully it's not the urine. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, appreciate the uh, text. We have another one here. We have another one. All right. So uh, this guy said he's been paying on engagement rings that his ex-girlfriend and he bought on credit under her name. I recently sold the rings and I've informed her that I will no longer be paying for them and that I have sold them. Since I've been paying for them and I've had them on my possession for over a year, can I still be implicated in the sale of stolen goods? Hmm. Does the saying possession is nine ten of the law apply? Nine tenths of the law, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't. I need to know some more here. I need to know whether the whether he actually gave the rings to the ex girlfriend and therefore it's a gift, or if uh, he just had he had them in his possession. He said he recently sold the rings. He'd had them on his possession for a year, and he was tired of paying them, so he just sold them. Yeah, I mean, but if the credit is under her name. So the credit. Uh, well, I. It, you know, here there's two issues going on here. The first is, did he have a right to sell the rings? The second is, what impact, if any, does that have on the credit uh, for the girlfriend? Now, uh, if he sold the rings and she was um, she was an owner uh, and he was just possessing them, that might be a problem. Uh, or he may be obligated to pay off the credit line uh, that she has uh, that, that's on her uh, because of the rings. So. I would say here's maybe the general way to look at this is you shouldn't ever get a windfall and you should never expect to get a windfall. So if he sold the rings, kept all the money, didn't pay off the credit line, that's likely a problem. If he was the one on the hook for the credit and sold the rings and paid off the credit line, he's on hook and he never gave the rings to her. Well, he's probably okay. Uh, but it, you, you shouldn't get a windfall. And if she paid something on the rings and uh, you sold them out from under her and you guys were sort of joint owners to it, well, then you're probably going to owe her some money for that. So 
again, you never get a windfall. You can't rip somebody off and expect the law to fix that for you or uphold it. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Generally speaking, there's exceptions and there's loopholes and there's reasons that people get away with stuff they shouldn't. But, uh, you know, I would say here, do the right thing. If you owe her money, pay her. All right. I have one coming in right now from uh, Robert. Robert. You guys okay. Want this? okay. Yeah, let's go. Um, it's my understanding the law is clear on this. If you leave the safety of your home and travel to a conflict with your gun and put yourself into a situation where you have to defend yourself, even if it's life threatening and kill someone to defend yourself, that is considered premeditated homicide. Well, I don't think the law is clear at all. First of all, the law is hardly clear on anything. Um, is that uh, is that Kyle Rittenhouse? Who, no, who's writing this in right now? I was just going to say, that's a great analogy because Kyle Rittenhouse actually left his home with his gun, went to a place, had to use it, and was acquitted of murder based on self-defense. And, no. you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to try a self-defense case, and there's similar issues. Uh, you're Look, we're allowed to have guns in our society. We are allowed to possess them. We are allowed to own them. And in many states, you're allowed to carry them concealed if you have the right paperwork. And now we're running into uh, constitutional carry states where you're just allowed to have a gun uh, concealed just because. Um, so having a gun and going to a conflict doesn't necessarily mean that you can't act in self-defense. It's, not, it's also not a great fact if you're trying to assert self-defense. Um, the idea of self-defense, generally speaking, is that you, you, you well, it, it, it's going to, it's very nuanced and factually specific because now Ohio has stand your ground law and we have, uh, the burden is now shifted over to the prosecution to prove that it wasn't self-defense. So I would need to know more, but I guess to answer the question, whenever you see things like terms like, um, it's, it's clear in the law that. Or it's necessarily true that it's generally not true. There's 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 way too many variables that uh, that can come into play. So if you have questions about it, or if this situation is actually happening, I'm more than willing to talk to you on the phone, give you some input once I know more facts and circumstances. But it is not necessarily true. Uh, at least all the premises of your question. All right. So finally, before we get you uh, out of here today, Steve, uh, Britney Spears, we got to ask you this question. All right. So Britney Spears is going to war with her sister. Yes, Jamie and, Lynn. And so this Jamie Lynn Spears wrote a book. And in this book, there's all kinds of uh, defor- uh, all kinds of uh, defaming things that she says about Britney Spears. Locked her in a bathroom with herself with a knife, a kitchen knife. And then Britney's like, I was just cutting mangoes. And like Jamie Lynn's like, no, I was scared for my life. It's just different accounts in the book. They don't agree on it. Right. So I guess basically Brittany is saying she was libeled in Jamie Lynn's book and that Jamie Lynn's going out on this big book tour now and she's slandering Brittany. And uh, Brittany's lawyer sent Jamie Lynn a cease and desist, said you leave her out of your book tour or we're suing. So, yeah. uh, yeah, how successful is that cease and desist likely to be? Uh, probably not. I, I, you know, I don't know the nuance of this, but uh, generally there's different rules for people who are public figures versus people who are private figures. There's different rules when people are saying and, and slandering you, so to speak, or libeling you or defaming you uh, in your in your profession. That has also some different rules. Here's the thing. If it's true, if it's true, that's almost always a defense. Truth is almost always a defense. And I tell you what, there is a great movie. It just made me think of it. There's a great movie called Absence of Malice. I think uh, old Wilford Brimley was in it and Paul Newman was in it and Sally Fields was okay. in it. And uh, it, it says, uh, absent of malice, uh, you don't have any uh, cause of action. So I know I haven't answered your question specifically, but my guess is the cease and desist isn't going to work if Brittany's sister doesn't care. She's going to th- sort of thumb her nose at it, keep doing it and say, sue me. I don't care because it's all true. 
And, um, and they're making a wow. ton of money off these stories. So. And they're making money. So, you know, yeah. Brittany may end up with a claim for some of the money or who knows. But as far as a cease and desist, and, and the other variable here, as I hate to say it, is California law is always a little bit nuanced and different than maybe the rest of the world or the rest of the country. So I would want to know how it works out there. Uh, but uh, interesting issue. Uh, we'll see how it unfolds. All right, Steve Palmer with us each and every Wednesday. Steve, if they want to get in touch with you outside of the show, how do they do it? It's easy. Uh, just call us up at the law firm, 614-224-6142, ohiolegaldefense.com. Uh, if you want to check out our podcast, go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. Submit a question there. If you didn't get on here, we'll uh, we'll answer it, and then you can uh, you can tune in. And it's great. I'm a critic, and it's great. So if I like it, you guys will love it. Steve Palmer, ladies and gentlemen. Woo, Steve! Thank you, guys. All right, so great questions from the Blitz. I, um, I, I was, I got to admit, a couple of those I, I would need more information or was sort of stumped. I think the estate stuff, or you get to that, that legal specific stuff like defamation or libel, and then estate law. You know, those are those are nuanced situations that require, you know, what they require a lawyer who knows what they're doing with a full exploration of the facts. And so some of those are hard to answer. But uh, turning back to where we were, we sort of we got interrupted by with our voter. Uh, legislation question, and I was talking about this, but I guess my my wrap up to that norm is this: there is a constitutional provision that says the states have control of this, and I think it designates not only just the states, but it designates the governing body of the states as control of it. So one one governing body can't usurp it from the other without some constitutional problem, and there's a reason for that. We don't want to nationalize elections because then the party in charge gets to change the rules, even if it's under the guise of doing it fairly, doing it right, they can, they, they, there's always going to be an underlying uh, appearance of impropriety that they're changing the rules so they get reelected. Right. And th- I had this argument, a debate with a good friend of mine who is, quote, progressive, and I'm not. And he, I finally got to him when I said, listen, he's like, yeah, but all the same, you know, if we're going to, you know, the states themselves can be corrupt or they can have their own problems or whatever it is. And I said that you're right. But the idea is I would rather I would rather water that down over 50 states than have one corrupt election right. that would impact the entire outcome. And not and not everything that the um, that the states do, even if uh, the party in power uh, is reacting like in Ohio yesterday, the Ohio Supreme Court uh, struck down the redistricting plan. Yep. That was drafted by the Republicans who run the House and the and the Senate. So uh, you had Republican Supreme Court turning down a Republican drafted plan on redistricting. So the system can work. It can. It does. And it did in Ohio yesterday. Now let's say that in in part of the the federal legislation we're talking about would take that redistricting and send it up to the feds to decide. So let's just say the Republicans were in charge of the of Congress and that redistrict that redistricting law in Ohio was reviewed federally, well they may uphold it. Right? You know, they, yeah. It upsets the balance of powers, it upsets the checks and balances that are naturally in place right. and it puts all the decision making into one party's hands right. and that always is it scares the crap out of me and then you asked me i think off the air would this be struck down by the u.s supreme court i think it would i think this kind of legislation is unconstitutional there's a reason we want the states to have control over the elections in their states yeah there's a reason we have the electoral college there's a reason that we don't have popular vote 
uh, in our country. Yeah. Because there was a time that if you had popular vote in our country, we'd still have slavery. Right, right. And it's it's specifically addressed in the Constitution. It's not murky. Correct. Yeah. It, yeah there's a so. there's a provision. So I guess for me, just my final thought on this is people interested in civil rights like you, like me, that believe in freedom, believe in the government keeping its nose out of our private business. Um it's, it's, it's difficult for me to conceive of having papers to prove who I am in order to vote. But I would, I would think, when I think of all the other activities in our society where I have to prove who I am, whether it's getting on an airplane or whether it's getting a driver's license or whatever it is, I have to take some steps to prove who I am. And it's, it, none of those are perfect. I can get on, the, on an airplane you know, and fake that I can, I can get a driver's license and I could fake that. But I think of all of our activities that we do in life, um, I think voting might be the closest thing to, um, secular religion, uh, something that we owe each other complete and total honesty about and complete and total um, the confidence uh, needs to be present in our voting system. And if we don't have that, then again, we're, we're talking about the chaos. Bush v. Gore, uh, Stacey Abrams, Trump, and Stop the Steal. And, and, and all of that is because left or right, people don't have confidence in the current voting system. And I think it all comes down to proving who you are at the time of voting, whether you mail it in, whether you're there in person, we need, well, we need some way to prove who we are and that we are citizens. Yes. No. And there's some nuance to this that is, that are, that are really, really scary. For instance, mail in voting, I think in Georgia, um, the signatures have to match, right? Right only match one of the three signatures, the three signatures, your initial registration, uh, your request for mail-in ballot, and then your mail-in ballot. Sure. As long as it matches one of those, it's good enough. Yeah. Well, think about that. Right. What if it matches your request for mail-in ballot or request for absentee ballot, but not the original registration? Like, that's an obvious problem. That vote gets counted even though it doesn't match the original registration. Yeah. And even if somebody is checking, which... You know, who's really checking? Come on. Yeah. Right. And then if somebody's going to try to check my signature. One of, one of Trump's legitimate complaints was in some of these precincts, the other party, which invariably was the Republican Party, it would be, I don't know, say inner city Baltimore. Right. You know. Or the Democrat Party, you mean. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and well, I'm saying it's, it's, it's the Republican Party that would be on the outs. Oh, on the complaining side. So yes. they make them stand 50 feet away from where they're verifying these signatures. Right. I mean, that does nothing to help the confidence in the outcome. It's all about the appearance of impropriety, if not impropriety itself, and it, it doesn't exactly. So you said something there. It's interesting. Then we'll move on to your next uh, checklist. And it, it, it's, it, it made me think of an old Lord Acton quote. Um, At all times, sincere friends of freedom have been rare, and its triumphs have been due to minorities that have prevailed by associating themselves with auxiliaries whose objects 
uh, often differed from their own. So I get what they're saying is, is that um, we have to protect freedom at all costs, even if you disagree with the outcome yeah. of, uh, of what's going on. Right. And, you know, the, the, the other side would use this uh, in support of their cause, but it's a misnomer to do it or it's, it's a misapplication of the quote. Right. The idea is like, I am cool with a, an outcome like the one you've talked about recently or the one you just talked about, the redistricting, the Republicans tried to redistrict, the Republican Supreme Court uh, struck it down. I'm cool. Yeah, they did their job. They did their job. I'm cool. Yeah. I would never say we need to change the composition of our Ohio Supreme Court in order to get that legislation through. I do not believe in doing that. Right. I don't believe in doing that at the state level or the federal level Yeah, because it matters to me. Yeah, packing the court. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so so suppose the Republican Supreme Court had said, okay, you did it right. You know, we reviewed it and you did do it right. With the knee-jerk reaction, which it seems to be in D.C., if you get a Supreme Court decision you don't like, well, let's add more members so we can numerically overcome. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Here, here, here's the, the now we're going to go off <laughs> on a tangent. I gotta, now I get a great. No, we could drop it. I, I, I mean, always hear this. It, it's like, if, oh, like we need to pack the court. We need to get rid of the filibuster. We need to do this because unless we do those things, right. you're not going to let me solve these problems like right. racism, global warming, right. inequity, whatever. Right. And it right. presumes right. not only the problem, which isn't obvious, but presumes that there's a solution, which isn't obvious, and presumes that you have the solution, which is even less obvious than all of it. And, and, and so the idea to get rid of safeguards that have been in place since the inception of our country, uh, so you can fix global or, warming. Or, or during, you know, the, 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 the continuity of our country. Filibuster. Sure. You know. I mean, that developed well, after a few years. But so. the alternative to the filibuster is Mr. Smith goes to Washington. People just stay up all night talking. Yeah, well, right. so uh, it's like that, it, that is that replaced sort of. I that. mean, on the Voting Rights Act or, you know, reform, quote unquote, on this legislation, Schumer's actually proposing to Cinema, Kristen Cinema, and Joe Manchin, the two holdouts on the Democrat side, uh, that, oh, no, okay, we'll leave the filibuster in place for everything but this bill. Right. So he's, try, he's trying to carve out an exception for voting. When, when the subject is voting rights or voting reform, then the filibuster, you know. It's so you so could do important. that to every issue. You, you, then it's a meaningless thing. It's a logical fallacy called a slippery slope. Yeah. It'll, it'll just, it has no end. So off we go. Off we go. Um, last uh, week's show, I just mentioned, uh, it, it, you know, fuzzy memory and all that that uh, Benjamin Franklin in particular and the other founders, John Adams, prepared a handbook for delegates at the 1787 Constitutional Convention. And in that handbook that he prepared, um, it was actually three handbooks or three volumes, but in that handbook, uh, he and Franklin included, uh, I was, uh, my memory was good that day, <laughs> last week, the Iroquois Confederacy, which was founded in 1142. So we are not the longest lasting um, representative government in America. <laughs> the Iroquois Confederacy lasted from 1142 until at least 1800. So, um, you know, that's a long time. That's a lot longer than our history as the United States. That included the Mohawks, the Onondaga, 
the Cayuga, the Oneida, Seneca, and later the Tuscarora tribes. And what they had was a multi-state government, uh, federally uh, structured, but each state, each tribe ran its own affairs. Uh, The uh, thing, the the main urgency for having a federal system for the Iroquois was mutual defense and foreign affairs. But some of the things in our Constitution, like limiting members from holding more than one office, uh, how to uh, remove leaders, um, how to uh, designating two branches of the legislature for th- uh, with procedures for passing laws, outlining who has the power to declare war, and creating the balance of power between the federal and the individual tribe states that was all in their system. That's amazing. Is that not incredible or what? Like a bicameral legislation. Just take that. Like you, like I, I did not know this. And I would have, if you asked me, I would have guessed like, all right, we'll just have to go back to parliament and, uh, and the United Kingdom and, and start there. That's where they grabbed it. But so how is it, I'm asking rhetorically, how is it that the Iroquois, what's, what's the agreement called again? Uh, it's the Iroquois Confederacy. The Iroquois Confederacy Confederacy is doing essentially the same thing as Britain, like a, a bicameral legislative body. And I mean, and I say not the same, but a and in 1142, thing. they sure as hell didn't know that there even was a Britain. That's correct. So it's <laughs> that's pre-Columbian. Yeah, happening yeah. in multiple places around the world at the at similar times. Really, sort of interesting that uh, that the human uh, experiment can come to the same. Result. Listen to this quote, Steve. You'll love this. All right. So while the Constitutional Convention was pending, the leader of the Onondaga uh, tribe, uh, which was one of the six tribes of the Iroquois Confederacy, said, this is a quote, and, and, and Ben Franklin printed this speech. I'll only read a couple sentences of the speech. But the uh, leader, the, the chief, of that tribe said, we heartily recommend union and a good agreement between you, our brethren, meaning the colonialists. Um, Never disagree, but preserve a strict friendship for one another, and thereby you, as well as we, will become stronger. Our wise forefathers established union and amity between the nations of the Iroquois Confederacy. This has made us formidable. Uh, giving us great weight and authority with our neighboring nations. We're a powerful confederacy, and by your observing the same methods as our wise forefathers have taken, you will acquire strength and power as well. Wow. that's uh, Dude, that's incredible. Yeah, really incredible. It, it, anybody, you know, this is... Ben this Franklin the, printed that. That's crazy. And, you know, any... we You and I both have discuss this book that we've we've read but what it did it opened my eyes maybe for the first time if not uh, again to how incredible the founding fathers really were yes and with all their flaws and all their warts and all their whatever right but you know this adams was at one point like taking a trip taking trips regularly i don't remember how many miles uh to a library to research uh warfare and the history of warfare in order to have better strategies for the revolutionary war it's like these guys 
I mean, like it didn't just happen. I mean, no. it was a it was an incredible sacrifice, incredible no. work, and incredible risk uh, to create the freest country that's ever been. Yeah, and it, it's it is a travesty to say because they had human flaws, and I don't discount how flawed slavery really is. I mean, it it, it was a it was a devastatingly uh, a horrible thing, but it's gone. And we need to, we need to, whatever we need to do to get moving past it, let's do it and enjoy the freedom that our founders uh, created for us. Well, um, going from something that gives us both a lot of intellectual pleasure to think about, you know, the the strings that were all brought together to 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 weave the Constitution and and where all those antecedents came from. I mean, that is such a wonderful thing to to think about and study to something that's a little bit more depressing. Uh, I hate to bring this up, but it's, it's, it's in the news. Um, the Heartland Institute and the Rasmussen polling organization, uh, just concluded a poll. Uh, they did the, the survey on January 5th and came out with it a week later. So we're getting it to, we're getting, uh, to the results now, uh, because it's it's now being reported by the AP and other media. Um, but some of these statistics are shocking. So they polled uh, 1,000 likely voters, uh, whatever their polling standards are, for a person who's likely to vote in the upcoming um, uh, election. Seven, it, these percentages are mind-blowing. 75% of registered Democrats trust Fauci versus only 21% of Republicans. 48% of Democrats want to fine or jail anybody who questions or talks down the effectiveness or the uh, need for vaccines. So that's almost 50% want to jail or fine. On, On social media, if you say something, they want to jail or fine you. And it gets worse. There's one here that's coming, I think. It's almost insane. It's it's almost insane. Uh, 47% of the Democrats want tracking of the unvaxxed by chip, by passport, some way to keep track of the unvaxxed. 55% want a fine to be imposed on the unvaxxed. And this one, uh, this is just uh, 59% of the surveyed registered Democrats want to want to confine unvaxxed people in their homes of the, of that 59%, 45% of them want the government to go one step further and actually round up the unvaxxed and put them in facilities. Yeah. In camps. camps. Yeah. 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 Uh, 45%, nearly half of the Democrats polled, want the government to round up unvaxxed people. Now, I now I, I like all polls and all stats, I take that with sure. a grain of salt because I would only hope Well, that, it's only a thousand people. Yeah, okay. so only a thousand. Right. So we don't right. know how much of a representative uh Correct. that is of, of the entire Democratic right. Are they party. all in New York City, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know exactly. You could drill down and try to figure it all out. But, but the, to but, the extent anybody would support that is mind blowing. Utterly mind blowing. Why don't we just have leper colonies again? I just you know, dude. And it's not even that. What's it's it's actually even more mind blowing than that. It, it, what's incredible is that uh, if you're not vaccinated and you're not sick, they want to put you in jail. Yeah, yeah. 
What, what's disturbing to me about those stats is the mentality that gets a person to, to answer a question in that way. There must be incredible hatred in their heart. It's this, no, 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 no. I, I, well, maybe. But it's oh, the there's, same there's, there's, logic. This has been whipped up into such a frenzy. It's, but it's not hatred. It's us and them. It's and not it's, hatred. It is fear. And now, go, go ahead, Steve. If fear would breed hatred, I think, on some level, but it starts with fear. You have to be convinced. You know, we sound like Yoda right now. We do. Yoda had a whole speech about fear leading to hatred. Oh, really? And, and <laughs> hatred leading, <laughs> hatred leading well, to well, disaster. I, 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 but anyway, I, if you don't like Yoda, Yoda I am not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go, but, uh, go ahead great yoda but uh it's what we were saying before it's like yeah. if i just had this control i could solve this problem and this problem is so great that it's going to destroy our world if it's global warming if it's a pandemic if it's racism if it's inequity whatever it is it's 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 an existential threat that will kill us all like we've never experienced before in the history of all humanity therefore um we need to take these drastic actions uh, in order to resolve it, they, you know, uh, Roosevelt did it to the Japanese in World War II. Uh, same kind of thing, same kind of fear, same kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, hue and cry, right? It's like the angry mob type mentality. We have to do this. We understand that freedom is there, but this is more important. Right. Because we're so right. And we can solve it by sticking all you unvaxxed criminals in an internment camp where you can just get each other sick and die. Well, we, we cannot cheat our millions of podcast listeners without an accurate Yoda quote. All right. So f- do I say this like Yoda? Mm. 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 Fear leads to anger. Mm. Anger leads to hate. Mm. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah. There you go. Then we have the... <laughs> Elimination of freedom. Listen, so, like, listen, you must. Yeah, listen, you must. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. A good, a good impression too. I don't know that I could have pulled that off on the floor. Mm. But well, actually, my Yoda. son, my sons, and I are the nerds that go to the next Star Wars movie with our lightsabers, hmm. our little D cell powered lightsabers. We are those people. Nerds, you are. Nerds, we. <laughs> I have one more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can keep going. But I think uh, this is also uh, despicable. Um, So in Seattle, the interim police chief, because I guess I can't find a a permanent one, probably there or Portland or L.A. or San Francisco. It seems like the West Coast has just fallen apart. But they have an interim police chief who, in the name of racial equity, decided that because he believes certain pullover... um, um, pretext uh, fall heavier on uh, people of one race or another, or people who have dark skin. I, I don't know. I don't know what his theory is, but they are no longer going to allow their police to pull over cars for registration, license plate, windshield cracks, or helmet uh, infractions. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> because of color. Yeah, because I mean, you've the, be the, what, he's, what he's really saying is it's almost like offensively discriminatory to say that a certain race or minority or gender or whatever class of person is going to be more likely not to have their license plate on or, or on because of that race. It's unreal. It's like it's really. 
it's that kind of soft bigotry, yeah. like like where you think you're helping a certain segment of the population, but you're not. It's you're like not helping them. And it's like what they're doing in math. Instead of like, if, if there's a certain group that struggles with math, instead of saying, we need to do whatever we can to help that group learn math better. Right. We're going to just get rid of the answer. We're gonna we're gonna dumb down the uh, state uh, right. the, the the test, or we'll just stop counting. Yeah, right. So instead or of two, like, or two plus two equals five. Yeah, or or instead of like uh, instead of accepting that there's a certain group that does uh, poorly on math, um, which I'm not saying is true. I, in fact, I don't even know that to be true. But th- this is what you hear. Well, so, ma- math has been caught. There actually, it, there actually is. A movement that says math is inherently racist. Oh, sure, right, and and they're saying that because I'm sure they're, they're quoting some stat that uh, that a certain race is it does poorly on math. But instead of saying we need to we need to help that group of people do better with math, right? They're just getting rid of math, or yeah. they're not counting how they do on math. Anymore. So where does the next Ben Carson come from? You know, uh, a pediatric neurosurgeon. I think Ben probably knows math. I'm, I'm just guessing. Right. I, I bet. I bet going through medical school and conducting his surgeries, I bet Ben knew, you know, what the math was of oxygen percentage that needed to flow through the bloodstream while he's doing the operation, and a million other things that are way above my level. The guy is so smart. If you don't have future Ben Carsons being educated about math, or or if you're not going to hold uh, whole groups of people accountable for the same laws that other people are getting pulled over for. That's, That's not, lo- a, it is lunacy. With them, we, we, we're lunacy. just, we're lost. And you know, there's a great Ben Carson story. If you haven't, if, if you guys haven't listened to it or, or heard it, you should. He tells this story about, I think he was in graduate school or I don't remember what level he was, but he had a chemistry exam the next day he hadn't studied. He was a bit of a screw off or not paying attention or whatever it was, hadn't studied. Um, goes to sleep that night, says a prayer and says, God, I will. And I, I'm probably butchering the story, but says, God, I will, if you, if you just help me through this one, I'll, I'll be there. I'm, I'm, I'm back and it'll never happen again. And he gets a dream that night. And in the dream, there's a guy at a chalkboard and on the chalkboard, he writes out all the test questions and answers. And they're the same ones that he gets on the test the next day. Wow. And he aces the test. And it changed his life. So yeah. that's his testimony, so to speak. And it's, yeah. uh, it's very, very powerful and compelling. Um, but back to uh, back to these stops. He's just the coolest guy. Incredible I, guy. I love that guy. Incredible guy. Yeah. Um, but back to these stops. There used to be a law in the United States that, uh, or a fourth, fourth Amendment jurisprudence, I should say, that identified something called pretextual stops. So if, if a police officer is stopping a car as a pretext only to search or conduct some other unlawful, what would otherwise be unlawful, well, that is invalid. So they were actually getting into the subjective intent of the cops as they pulled somebody over. And, you know, this was at the very beginning of my legal career. We would have these pretext motions where a cop stopped a car with a cracked windshield, and the only purpose was to search it because they knew the driver to be a dope dealer, or maybe it was because of race, or maybe it was because of whatever. And they got rid of it. So they, they, that has since been... Um, 
overturned as bad constitutional law. Now, it's coming back in certain forums or certain places. It's starting to reemerge these pretextual stops. And I'd have to give it more thought. I'm not sure my opinion on it because it's almost impossible to dig into the souls of people's brains as to why they're doing something. Sure. And you quickly end up defaulting to things like statistics to try to prove it. And that's bad. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it was a safeguard out there not to just grab people and yank them off the road just to search their car. So uh, I think there's a better way to do it under the Fourth Amendment. Like just because you're pulled over doesn't mean they can search, but there's all sorts of exceptions that have emerged. This is where when people start to meddle with the Constitution on both sides, it leads to really bad results. So you have this one bad or you have a constitutional decision that says they can search the interior compartment of a car just because it's pulled over. Um, Well, uh, you know, that may mean that uh, somebody's going to, create a pretext just to pull over a car. You know, you, you end up with these crazy things instead Absolutely. of just, a, so, and then you tweak it there. Now you've got to tweak it again and again and again. My analogy norm is I'm a woodworker. <laughs> Anybody who has ever tried to build a picture frame and the first 45 degree cut isn't quite accurate. You think you're going to fix it on the next one. You can't because by the time you get around to the beginning, it's way off. Um, or maybe drywall is a great example. I do drywall work. And the more you screw with it, the worse it gets. Like, you, oh, yeah. it's like I'm going to oh, just yeah. hit it one more time. And you're right. like, damn it, I got to hit it again. Right. And again. Yeah. And again. And you watch the pros. They have a process. They hit it. They know when to stop. They move on. And they know when to stop. Yeah. When, no, no when enough is enough. So. Um, how are we doing on time? Uh, we got one more. And then we got to roll. Uh, you want to talk about this? Um, <laughs> this fits into the entire discussion about the supply chain, which, you know, I keep hearing that the government needs to fix the supply chain. The government has caused almost all of the problems with the supply chain. So the government fix, like Ronald Reagan used to say, is, you know, government is the problem. Government is the entire problem. So the reason the trucks don't flow and the ports don't work and, you know, you could go on and on is because of government policies uh, you know, it, the whole safety culture. And, and it leads to this thing where Union Pacific is now threatening to leave Los Angeles County uh, entirely. And UPS and FedEx are, uh, are making similar uh, statements. Uh, and um, the county prosecutor, this George Gascon guy, who's quite insane, um, get, you know, has reacted to Union Pacific Union Pacific, just so people know, on a daily basis has almost 90 to 100 of their train cars being compromised, uh, being looked into or and robbed. And you can see pictures on the Internet if you want to take a look. Uh, the train tracks in L.A. are just a swath of, of, of debris that have been pulled out of the cars and picked over to get to the good stuff. It's almost a 400% increase of train car robberies over last year in L.A. County. And Gascon says, well, the role of government shouldn't be eye for an eye. So we're not looking to punish these people like, you know, just because they did something bad, then the government does something bad to them. So clearly, clearly he failed sentencing in law school. Um, 
Union Pacific says, well, you know, we have all these people that have been arrested, over 100 arrested and no prosecutions for any of those crimes. Well, hell, if I'm Union Pacific, I'm out of there. Yeah, this is this is the interesting thing. It's like the government creates a problem and then complains that you don't give them enough power to solve the problem. Right. Um, I, and I've said this a thousand times. I take no credit for this quote. It comes from uh, Thomas Sowell. It's like the, the government, like they never say um, it was bad policy that caused the problem. They always say we it was it was it was a good policy. We just didn't get to do enough of it. We only need to do more of it instead of less of it. And like you said, Reagan's solution was all right. The government sucks at every all of this kind at of every, stuff. It, yeah, let's ter- get it out of the business. Right. And 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 rely instead on the inherent innate human ability to solve problems and find its own level. Sure. And you know people argue all the time with me on this. And I, and they say, well, I just don't trust people to do the right thing. I say, you don't have to, you don't have to trust people to do the right thing. Other, the, the forces of the market will cause people to do the right Good thing. Good old Adam Smith, yeah. Milton Friedman. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if there is a supply chain problem and government gets out of the way, trust me, you know, a profit-seeking truck company. A greedy ass. Pro- so, you bet, you they bet. will solve this problem. Yep. They will, you know, the the port, uh, the port, uh, the the companies that operate the cranes and hire the, you know, the stevedores and the dock workers, they'll solve these problems. And what we're seeing right now is a classic example of the opposite. So I read an article, it might be a couple weeks old now, but uh, Biden said something like, well, the reason for the meat shortage is the gouging by the meat pe- or the, the producers. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren also. Yeah. And it's right. like, ridiculous. Right, well, it, without saying or without even exploring why their prices might be going up because they had to slaughter countless animals and couldn't feed them during the pandemic and it wasn't worth it. It's like sure. all these other things that, that caused the problem. Right. They're just blaming the greedy meat producers right. for upping their rates right. for the first time in how many years, right? right. So and, all of a sudden- And they did that to the, to, to the oil companies. Same you could oil, go right, right down the list. Right. Anytime, you know, the, the inflation's real. And, you know, cereal comes, so they're, you know, the Kellogg, General you Mills, bet. oh, they're, they're screwing the people. Oh, no, they're not. The costs are going up. Right. And, and instead of saying, the, instead of the government saying, all right, we realize that we screwed this up. We pumped way too many dollars into the economy. We printed more money than we should have. Right. We we took too much control, and now it's out of control. Instead of saying, and we jacked up energy prices. That's the biggest right. thing. Artificially caused energy to go up. All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. Instead of saying that, they're saying, no, it's these other greedy people that are causing the problems. Right. And you need to let us do more tinkering with the economy in order to fix the problems that we create. It's a it's a picture frame. Right. It's a drywall. It's picture frame. It's the same thing. Right. The more tinkering. We need to they pass do, a law. We need yeah. to pass a law. We need to inject more tax dollars into these ports and into this and into that. Because we know how to spend your yeah. money, Norm, better than you. <laughs> right, right. Well, rather than let the private companies dredge so the ports are deeper or add more cranes or whatever, they're going to have a commission, and then the government's going to provide low-interest loans, but you know, with all kinds of uh, you know uh, ridiculous terms, and you right. know, it'll have to be green and carbon neutral and you know, they'll, they'll just tack on all this crap and, and they'll finally get that crane about 20 years from now. Back to where we started. <laughs> it is the administration in a court system implying that they know how my business works. Right. And then drawing conclusions that are based on zero information. Right. And saying they could do it better. Yeah, the government did not build the railroad system. 
Uh, they, they, it, true enough, they provided the right of way, which is under the Constitution. They're allowed to, you know, uh, uh, taking the, yeah. the, t- taking for f- with fair compensation. But they didn't build the railroads. They didn't build the transit systems. They didn't build the elevateds in Chicago. They didn't build the tunnels in New York for the commuter trains. Government didn't do any of that. You know, they gradually took over and nationalized all of those things. And screwed them all up. And screwed them all up. Yeah, just totally screwed up. Instead of letting market forces work. Look, there's a lot of smart people in the world. I don't care what's between your legs, what pigment is under your skin. I could care less. There are lots and lots of smart people in the world. Let those people do what they do. Get out of the way and let them do what they do. And if you are so pretentious and so self-centered to think that not only do you know all the problems of the world, but you can solve them only if you had more power, well, then shame on you. Look in the mirror and start taking stock in all the dumb things you've done in your life. I do it every day, and it makes me—I cringe at all the stupid things I do every day. Well, look at the bumpkins. That Biden and the Democrats, I hate to say it, and the Republicans have passed. Well, look, we can go back to Bush and talk about the same. Yeah, they've had bumpkins. They've had bumpkins too. I right, mean, the, uh, the Texas Cowboy. Like the, some of oh, Trump's right. picks were nightmares. I mean, you know, right. I mean that. So you know, Trump had some complete idiots in his cabinet at one point. But uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg. Okay, so South Bend, Indiana, is what. A hundred thousand people. It's a college town. It's a college. A hundred. They have like one bus stop. You know, a hundred thousand people, and he is overseeing as Secretary of Transportation. He's overseeing a sixty thousand person. You know, bureaucracy. And he's never done anything. He's not. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't think it's possible to have a person who's qualified for that job, let alone Pete Buttigieg. I mean, it's like it's, and then what did he do? He checked out for paternity leave or something for like two months in the yeah. in the midst of the worst supply chain transportation right. crisis the country has ever right. seen. Where he could have gotten rid of regulations that are holding things back. Right. Let the let the trucks run. Yeah. Right. <laughs> let them you run. know, suspend some of these the, the nanny state stuff that we do to truckers that we do to the ports. Just suspend it. Go ahead and let them revert to, you know, some practices that you may judge are a little less green or a little less safe or whatever. But they have insurance companies. They have the private sector has guardrails and boundaries built into the cake. They are willing. They being the people who want to cram this down, they're willing to call the private businesses greedy, but not themselves. No. Right. And that's that's the difference. And I'll tell you one more thing to anybody who would say to me, well, you're just suggesting you can solve the problems. But no, I'm not suggesting I can solve the problems. I might be pretty good at identifying problems. I might be pretty good at uh, thinking through issues once they get to me. But what I am saying is there are people out there smarter than I that can solve these problems and they don't get elected to jobs. They have jobs. They're private citizens. Right. They come in all forms. They come from all countries. They come from all genders and all nationalities. They are the ordinary human being that has done incredible things throughout history of time. I right. mean, incredible artists, um, uh, engineers, sure. uh, it just, it just there it, it's countless. Let those people do what they do. And if you think that you can do it better than those individual people, then you are nuts. Yeah. I cannot do it better than those individual people. No. I would let those people solve these problems within boundaries. Right. And that's what our constitutional system set up. Right. So, Amen. Uh, that's my rant for the day. Yeah. Well, 
And the, the kicker is I saw some video on the internet the other night of the nominee or putative Nancy Pelosi's pick for the, the, the house transportation chairman is Elizabeth Holmes Norton, who otherwise I'm sure is a wonderful lady. I'm sure she's very nice, very sweet. Um, she's, you know, 84 years old and they showed a video of her parking in the congressional parking lot in her Prius. And you know how parking, um, along a curb, uh, often is slanted. You have, instead of parking straight in or parallel parking, you park at a slight angle. And then that way the cars don't stick out into the street. Well, she did not, <laughs> she did not, she did not follow the line. So every car along the curb is parked at an angle between two, you know, yellow lines that define the slot that you're to pick, that you're to drive. She drives in 90 degrees at to the curb so that she is now at a 45 degree angle to the car to the but left. Why? I don't know, but she damaged both cars and she backed up and went forward about six times like Austin Powers in that crazy movie, uh, you know, the spy who shagged me or whatever. Right. <laughs> so, but she's going to run transportation. She can't even park a car. There's a, this reminds me. I mean, God bless her. I'm going to tell a great pop culture. I'm going to give you a great pop, pop culture reference. Then we're going to wrap it up. You were talking about slanted parking lot lines. For those folks about our age, used to watch Happy Days. Okay. And Richie Cunningham was running for office on, I think, school council or something. And he promised slanted parking lot lines at the school. (laughs) And at the end, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting recap because he got elected. Okay. And he had made all these campaign promises. And I think the lesson to be learned, I am drawing from like, 1976 here, whatever it would have been, 1980 maybe. But uh, so I, if I'm wrong, I'm sure you folks out there will let me know. Hey. But I think the the moral of that episode was that he had made a lot of campaign promises down to minutia, and then he got elected, and all of a sudden he had the burden of trying to deliver on those things. Mm. And I remember the, him saying, it's like I'm working on the slanted parking lot, <laughs> because those are just, they're hollow promises until you deliver on it. And, yeah, and, right. Uh, and I think it was a good, it's a good way to wrap this up with a pop culture reference because uh, it's saying something. These politicians who are promising the moon, to, if they just get elected and have more power, they're doing it only to, to get elected and have more power. They can't not, they cannot, even if they think they can, they cannot deliver on all this stuff. Right. Like no one politician is going to solve the world problems. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Just not going to happen. You know what? This is the best podcast, I don't care, in the universe. Today, today we have quoted from the Onondaga uh, chief of the late 1700s. We've quoted from Yoda. We've quoted from Richie Cunningham. Lord Acton. Lord Acton. Dude. What a, what we we got it going on. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, I mean, that's a hot show. It actually sort of scares me that we quoted all this thing, but anyway, so yes. let's, let's wrap it up. I think another great Wednesday episode. I've got uh, some questions coming in on the website. That's lawyertalkpodcast.com uh, that I'm going to get to hopefully uh, later on in the week and get those published out there at least by Friday. 
Uh, if you want your own podcast, check us out, channel511.com. Got somebody coming in tomorrow to talk about doing a podcast. He's going to meet with me. He's going to meet with Brett at Circle 270 Media, and we're going to get it launched. Had another very close friend contact me recently. She wants to do a podcast. We're going to meet with her next week. So, uh, you know, at some point, we're going to get to capacity here, and we won't be able to cater to your podcast. In other words, if you don't do it now, you're going to lose it forever. Come come to the dark side <laughs> at 511. Or no, maybe we're the light side. Who knows? Be a youngling or a yingling or whatever they are. Keep healing, Jared. Yingling's beer. Youngling is a Jedi. Y- yeah, yingling is a great beer. Yeah. Keep get, keep keep healing, Jared. We're thinking of you. Yeah, Jared, we're thinking of you. I talked to Jared last week for a while. He's uh, <clears throat> he's doing great. Hopefully they can uh, get him fixed up, patched up, put back together again, just like Humpty Dumpty, and we'll get him back here in the round table where he can share his wisdom. Uh, so this has been Lawyer Talk Off the Record on the air at least until 